following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. Let's put our imaginations to work and picture our minds at an event that happened 2,000 years ago. It's the week before the Passover celebration in Jerusalem. Spring has arrived. The mostly barren terrain has some green and new growth appearing. The almost desert climate is showing signs of new life for at least a while. It does not last very long. And as we look over Jerusalem, large crowds are gathering. The roads to the city are crowded. People have traveled quite some distance for a momentous celebration, the celebration of Passover that happens every year about this time. Now, the original Passover happened about 1,300 years previous to the event we are looking at today. At that time, the children of Israel were captives in Egypt. They were slaves forced to labor endless hours and days in constructing temples and statues commemorating kings and, and pharaohs of Egypt. God sent a message through Moses that the children of Israel should be freed. Pharaoh refused to listen. God then sent plague after plague over the Egyptians to convince Pharaoh to free these Israelites. Pharaoh did not listen. And the Passover, God caused the plagues to pass over the Israelites. Eventually, the Israelites did escape. Now, there's much more to this story, but today the context is of that Passover event. As crowds assembled in Jerusalem, we also see evidence of a military presence. Jewish and Roman authorities are increasing their watchfulness. Large crowds can become unmanageable. It is situations such as these that troublemakers can stir up rebellious sentiments among the people. But within this large crowd, and somewhat, a somewhat overwhelming crowd, a relatively unique event is taking place. The primary actor is Jesus of Nazareth, a Galilean native. Accompanying him are a small group of people whom we know as disciples. The authorities are keeping a sharp eye on this man and his followers. He has a reputation for stirring up people's emotions significantly. And then there is the larger crowd. They are attracted to any out of the ordinary, act any out of the ordinary activity that would happen in an event like this. Jesus' reputation is out there. Rumors accompany him. He might be one who can challenge the foreign Roman authorities and the local ones as well. After all, the Passover they are coming to observe has proved to them that God sees them in a special light. Even though Moses led the Israelites out of Egyptian capti captivity 1,300 years ago, they are still looking for one to free them from different oppressors and slavery. The drama within this larger event is familiar to us. Disciples obtain a colt on which Jesus is to ride into the city. It becomes almost like a parade. 
Palm branches are spread on the road. Jesus and the donkey and disciples are to take. People shout out to Jesus with words of praise. Then Jesus enters the temple grounds. He proceeds to drive out the money changers who are selling doves to be offered on the temple's altar. And standing in the shadows, chief priests, scribes, and other leaders who are beginning to plan how to kill this man, Jesus. Now, let's see what role you and I might play in this drama. Not back then, but 2,000 years later, today. How can we live out the meaning of a 2,000-year-old event in today's current context? We cannot replicate the situation surrounding the original Palm Sunday, but there just might be some comparable opportunities today with that ancient setting in mind. In the book of Philippians, Paul writes, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ. So, some of us might picture ourselves being like Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem. Jesus is confronting the religious establishment, and so might we. There certainly are some, re some reasons to consider this. But then again, we cannot really be like Jesus. That's almost sacrilegious. A young person once asked me if being a Christian is, means being like Jesus. And I said, no, but it does mean following him. Our place on Palm Sunday is not riding the colt into the city. In that context, many of us might consider ourselves to be disciples. That is what it means to follow Jesus, is it not? We could make a case for claiming the title disciple. Have we not learned from the scriptures that Jesus expects all nations to be discipled by people such as us? But I would like to suggest that is not our place either. It's a little dangerous to consider ourselves as among the select few, as were the disciples of that time. Being a disciple could tempt us to take on an attitude of exclusiveness. No, our place is not to assume a feeling of exclusiveness. Calling ourselves disciples could mean we might find ourselves taking on a, a holier-than-thou attitude. I realize this might be an arguable point, but hear me out. Another group that had a role in the Passover crowd was made up of scribes, priests, Pharisees. Now, before we are quick to judge, let's remember their roles were intended, at least initially, to preserve and protect spiritual principles that had been in place for countless generations. Well, in doing so, it was easy for them to assume an attitude of superiority and self-righteousness. They saw change as dangerous and self-defeating. It's very easy for the church today to cast itself in the same light. Is not the church established to preserve and protect religious truths and ritual traditions and institutions of today? Yes, even church buildings. Do we not see ourselves as advocates and defenders of God's law and even place of, places of worship? Many of us are tempted to feel pretty comfortable in that role. And in the process, we can become strict and rigid too. We can end up worshiping the wrong things. This is like idol worship. It can be easy to, uh, an easy trap to fall into. In our University of Life sessions during Lent, 
we have been reviewing the Ten Commandments. Our study guide has been a book by Adam Hamilton. In the chapter about the Second Commandment, he gets us to rethink the meaning of do not make an idol for yourself. Do not bow down to worship them. Hamilton reminded us that even our faith can be made up of idols. For instance, he tells of a country church on the outskirts of a growing city. The church building in which members worshipped had been there for them for a long time and their ancestors, over a hundred years. Great memories filled every nook and cranny. But before they hardly knew it, the little church was in a developing suburb of a larger city. The bishop and other church leaders encouraged them to leave the existing building, move a few miles away, build a structure that would meet the needs of growing families. Much like this church did several years ago, we, we moved and had more space to provide more services to more people. That little church refused. The current building held too many warm feelings. And then, yes, the church soon died away and gave away to other churches that saw the need to change. We can all become like the temple leaders of 2,000 years ago. In their rigidness, they pushed Jesus aside. Like then, people might say of us, their minds are like cement, thoroughly mixed up and permanently set. Our place cannot be among those who are permanently set in their ways and creating idols to worship. So if we cannot be like Jesus, or a disciple, or a protector of the faith, where do we belong on Palm Sunday? I believe our place is in and with the crowd. Our hosannas need to be shouted in the midst of the people. We have no claim to a special place on Palm Sunday. Mixing among strangers and skeptics can be risky, but that's where Jesus calls us to be too. It calls for courage and humility. We know we are not perfect. The crowd will be different than the one we are remembering today. That crowd of Passover celebrants was made up of the poor, the rich, the country folks, the city folk, farmers, shepherds, business people, servants. And there had to be criminals and pickpockets and con artists and burglars as well. Our crowd could be similar, but would more likely include family, neighbors, co-workers, students, shoppers, the sick, the mentally ill, the poor, the refugees, the immigrants, and yes, criminals too. It's in this setting where we can and must find ways to praise and serve God. Now one word of warning. Never forget the role of the crowd when Good Friday rolled around. The people were no longer praising Jesus, they were condemning him. They changed just within a course of one day. They were the crowd that shouted out, crucify him. Mob psychology took over. They were no longer thinking for themselves. They went along with everyone else in the crowd. We too can fall victim to the influence of a loud and excited crowd. It may be at a sporting event, a rock concert, or a political rally, or angry protest gathering. But remember, our role is to be in the crowd, but not of the crowd. And this can be a risky place for us as well. It can be dangerous. 
The Son of God is not head of a popular movement. His words and deeds can frequently go against the grain. They can make people disappointed and angry, but that's where we need to be. Now for a moment, let's switch our imagination from a Palm Sunday crowd to a door. The artist Solomon is known for his depictions of what he thought Jesus looked like. In one of his artworks, he has Jesus knocking at the door. The artist is no doubt remembering the passage in the book of Revelation where we hear Jesus say, Listen, I am standing at the door, knocking. Jesus wants to enter lives. He wants us to welcome him. But in this painting that we're looking at right now, we notice that there is no handle on Jesus' side of the door. Jesus has no way of entering on his own. The person on the other side has to open it. The person we do not see is you or I. We are the ones who have to open the door and welcome Jesus in. Even though there may be a loud crowd around us, we cannot let it drown out the sound of a quiet knock. And the one we welcome in, into our lives and our hearts, will keep us in the crowd, but not of it. Let's put ourselves into the week ahead of us, and may we never forget our place. Let's be a Palm Sunday participant, determine where you will be, join in the meal at the upper room, mourn and grieve on Good Friday, accompany the women on their Sunday morning to visit the tomb, the empty tomb. The more we get into these events, the more we will get out of them. Let us pray. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Gracious God, we hear the psalmist letting us know you are to be praised above all others. The Gospels report on the joyous parade through Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. It welcomed your son with shouts of hosannas. What a joy it is to again praise you this day as, rejoice, as we rejoice to receive your son into our lives. It is an uplifting and heartwarming experience. But let us never forget, God, that the celebration through the streets of Jerusalem did not last. The path to a resurrection day was tough and painful. It was full of grief and fear challenge. As did the followers in biblical days, we know that the road, even with Christ alongside us, is full of roadblocks and barriers, sharp curves, detours. Forgive us, God, whenever we create barriers, too. We fall from the way when we put ourselves first, neglect the needs of others, shun those who are not like us, make our own rules as to whom we will forgive or, or not forgive. We ask your forgiveness, God. And let us not forget those whom we lift up in prayer this morning. Dave Palmer as he continues to recuperate from surgery. Becky Malloy on the death of her sister, Jane Proctor. And the family and friends of Candy Thaxton, a great and powerful servant in, in the life of our church and our community. We also pray, O oh God, for the Sterling United Methodist Church 
may it continue to serve you in its place and in its location. And we pray for those in our world longing for peace. We are certainly mindful of our sisters and brothers in Ukraine undergoing unbelievable pain and suffering. But people on other continents are also dying from war and famine and ruthless weather. May the world's love surround them and bring comfort and relief. Your love is everlasting, God. May we strive to honor that love with our care for others. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.